guys, it's Lavetta. And it's Miriam. And this is the Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. Yes, it is. <laughs> Hi, Lavetta. I was just showing Miriam. <laughs> Hi, Miriam. <laughs> Did you like the video? Oh, my God. You? She just showed me the funniest video. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen. It was of the dog. Mm. I just love that the mm-hmm. dog couldn't sing. That's what got me. Well, okay, just, you, you guys, this video is like a Christmassy video, like of the holiday season. And usually by this point in January, I'm like, we're done. It's over. Talk to me again in November. But this is worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You guys have probably seen it. It's just a dog. It, it looks like a chihuahua, maybe. Yeah. Uh, or chihuahua mixed of some kind. And this woman's holding the dog and she's singing Silent Night. And whoever did the voiceover, the dog is like, all right, all right. <laughs> and then starts oh singing God. terribly. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, my God. Oh, can I, oh my God. I needed that. I, I have to, sh- to share. It's a little darker than that. But I have to share something oh, with you okay. that the other day. We were walking around and we uh, ran, ran into this very nice gentleman who had this beautiful dog. And my kids love dogs, you know. They're like, look, mommy, sit down. It's so cute. I love it. I was like, okay. So ask the Same. nice man. You can. Super nice. We're chatting. Super sweet. Yeah, the dog loves kids. Anytime you want to pet the dog in the neighborhood. And I said, oh, is it? And my kid goes, I think it's a golden retriever. I said, oh, is it, is it a golden retriever? He said, yes, it is. And I said, oh, and just like just golden retriever. He goes, pure blood. And I just, I panicked oh. a little. <laughs> Oh, I was like, oh, that's never good when uh, a man mm -mm. or person is like pure blood. Uh, I don't. mm -mm. That's not how blood works. Mm -mm. Uh, A. No, Uh, and the the use of pure uh, (laughs) sounds very Nazi-ish. Yeah, Uh, right. (laughs) I don't want to be like. I don't want to be like triggered, but but triggered. I was like, oh, we have to go. Okay, bye. That man does not de- deserve a dog if he's concerned know, that the right? dog has pure blood. That, I, it was, it really was. Uh, I was like, wow, that oh, poor dog. Lord, I was like, wow, not expecting that word to come out of your mouth. No, you could say but like, I no, wish somebody- yeah, it's just a golden retriever. It's not mixed. And a lot cool. of times they'll say pure bread, like right? you know, that's usually the terminology. That's not what he said. Pure blood is no, it's uh, pure blood. Yeah. And I was like, that is a- with that sort of white supremacist smirk, you know, and then I just, I left. It was fine. <laughs> a dog whistle about a dog. Uh, only in America. Um, oh, right. Yeah. I, <laughs> that man don't deserve a dog. Somebody should take his dog. There should be a, a society in the world to go around and take people's dogs from them because they don't deserve the pure love of a dog. Now, that's the only instance you need to use pure is when you talk about a dog. Pure love. Yeah. Okay. I know. My kids would say that dogs should come to our house. And I would say I cannot yes. afford the vet bills. But okay, I hear you. <laughs> Especially on a golden retriever. Oh, That's what I I'm don't saying. care. I, I said I want like, I don't know. I think I've told you. I, I told, I'm told i kind of obsessed with mini schnauzers because they look like they have mustaches, beards, and, yes. and bushy eyebrows. <laughs> They're uh, cute. They kind of have human faces and I'm kind of obsessed with them. But I don't really care when you love dogs. I don't care I if it's a mixed breed, pure. I, I don't care. I just like a doggy because they all doggies. They're all like. I, I know. Yeah, I know. It's so cute. Like even the ugly dogs yeah. are the cutest dogs, you know. Oh, my God. Oh my I don't God. Know even if your dog voice. has an attitude, tries to over sing you. <laughs> like, 
It's no different than your children. What? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, I think we should get started. Yes. Um, This is our, what, first, officially our first episode of the year. We took a little break, right? Happy 2024. Pew, pew, pew. Yes, we're back. I'm I'm a little little hesitant about celebrating the new year because every time I do that, (laughs) shit goes down. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. It's good. We're doing good. And I'm excited. Everything's fine. Everything is great. So great. If you hit the T and great, like aggressively... (laughs) It really convinces you. It's great. <laughs> it's exhausting, but it's oh worth it. It's great. Not <laughs> great. Fine. Great. Great. Uh, but you know what else is great? That we what? are back together. Yes, uh, we are. And we're here to bring some more stories to our listeners. Um, I am. I still miss my grandma. And occasionally I will like sob, do the ugly cry in the just Listen, randomly ugly um, cries are so healthy ugly yeah, cry as much as you need girl thank you but she you know what i'm gonna hold on to the fact that she died at home uh yes. seemingly peacefully in yes. her sleep um but i do miss my grandmama yeah. um yeah. but i but i'm so glad i did pam greer and yes. by the way miriam you are killing it on the social media listen she's the one that's usually <laughs> posting those things <laughs> it is me thank you very much listen i found you all go to instagram <laughs> First of all, tell all your friends to also go to Instagram, like, follow. While you're telling your friends to go to Instagram, tell them to download Notorious Women podcast. Do us a favor. It's in the new year. You guys share our love with everyone. Thank you so much. Always share. And what do we say? You copy the link of the podcast and send it. Yes. Don't just tell them about it because they'd be like, oh, yeah, that sounds really, really good. And then they'll forget Mm-mm. and then just maybe they have to walk their dog and may- maybe they'll have to punch some racist who has a dog it's and probably like the dog has pure blood and Oof. they'll forget. They'll just forget. Yeah, right. So, it's very distracting. So you just got to send it to the put it on there, you know. Um, yeah. And then but also go to the Insta, because if you listen to last week's episode or last month's episode, um, which if you didn't just go back and listen to Do it, that. it's amazing. I mean, like I'm going to yep. tout ourselves. Um, yep. And Lavetta has a very favorite line from Pam Greer. And I found it and I posted it. Um, it's so good. It. I literally literally I will watch that scene on our Instagram like maybe a little bit over and over again. Because <laughs> it's a ridiculous, ridiculous scene. Black exploitation films, I'm you know, our modern sensibilities. I, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it, to our modern sensibilities, they seem ridiculous. But if you have a sense of humor, and I'm assuming if you listen to our podcast, you have a, a great sense of humor, you will get it. You'll get the yes. joke. You don't need to write a think piece. It doesn't need to be think pieces made. No. Um, Everything in black exploitation films are probably politically incorrect at this point, but 100%. they are fun. Yeah. If you um, want to get your life, you need to watch a couple of them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, because you're, you're just like, I, I cannot believe that was a thing. Uh, I mean, but there's things going on today that we can't believe is a thing. So, which brings me to 
my notorious woman this week. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. I think we should get started. So my notorious woman this week to bring us in first episode of the new year is Coretta Scott King. What? That's right. I feel like I feel like bells should have gone off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like streamers yeah. running down. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was I gonna do Miss. She's amazing, uh, which is the reason I'm doing her. She's a heroic, notorious woman, obviously. Um, but her name has been uh, bantied about in the press, and I will get to that. <laughs> but before that, uh, let's get into her life and what makes her notorious and what makes her awesome. Um, Coretta Scott King. So let's get into it. Coretta Scott King was born Coretta Scott on April 27, 1927 in Marion, Alabama. Now, she was the third of four children of business owner Obadiah Obi Scott, who was born in 1899, oh. and uh, her mother, Bernice M- McMurray Scott, who was a bus driver, church pianist, um, and a partner in the family's business. Um, she, her mother was also a great singer. She had uh, oh. excellent musical talent and a beautiful singing voice. And she uh, served as a worthy matron for the Eastern Star Chapter okay. of the local uh, and was a member of the local literacy federated club. Basically, Coretta's like my mother was like uh, the she was the woman. She was that girl. Yeah. So, um, again, the family was they were solidly middle class. And Coretta's father, Obi, he went by the name of Obi, was the first black man in town to own a vehicle, actually. Oh, wow. Can I say I love the yeah. name Obadiah? Yeah, I could. Obadiah. That's a that great name. That is very name. old school. Very. Yeah. 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 Love it. Um, and then now before he started uh, his several businesses, he worked as a policeman. Um, and oh. um they had several businesses, but one of the ones that Coretta remembers mostly is the clothing shop uh, that they started out of the home. And then they later opened up a general store. OK. OK. Um, but Obadiah Obi also owned a lumber mill before that, which was uh, or around that time, actually, because he was, you know, he's a businessman, he was a businessman, businessman. So he had Get many done. different. Yeah. It was like, you you got to diversify. What did I tell you to diversify your portfolio? So uh, to create wealth, you have to diversify. So Obi was doing, he was doing the do, you know, he was like, a, a, he would be considered, they would be considered a very upstanding, um, you know, respectful black family. I think it's um, interesting that he was a police officer. Mm-hmm. But Is back the, then, policemen yeah. were usually in, black policemen were usually in black neighborhoods. The conflict oh, didn't start until they started bringing it. white police officers that, in black neighborhoods. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, in Harlem, in uh, on Central Avenue, in Los Angeles, all of that. The black neighborhoods were run by black policemen. Um, were worked by then. Yeah, interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Now, um, again. The family, the mother worked as a a bus driver. She, you know, she had her own kinds of things going on because, you know, you got to they have uh, four children. (laughs) So uh, children ain't cheap. No, she's busy. uh, They're expensive. Okay, And it just shows you that 
Coretta grew grew up watching a woman have her own money, work and be yes. independent while also being a wonderful singer and being a devoted wife, mother and church member. They were very upstanding. Now, again, the family owned a lumber mill. So her father owned a lumber mill. But when a white neighbor wanted to buy it, hmm. probably at something that it was not worth, Obadiah hmm. is like, no. So they burned it down along with the family's home. What? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Man. This is what black people have to put up with. We're yep. on hostile ground, people. Mm-hmm. We're on hostile ground um, in this country. So this would be, if she was born in 27, this would probably be in the 30s and the 40s. Yep. Now, in the 30s, during the Depression, <laughs> that thing is the Depression. Um, so even though the family owned a farm since the Civil War, so the family had land. Right. They were not like wealthy, which is why Obi and Bernice were trying to figure out uh, how to make a living. Right. Right. Um, But during the Depression, everybody was suffering. So uh, the parents, along with the children, had to work in manual labor to earn money for the family. Uh, Because keep in mind, if you guys remember, the Depression, the um, the funds that were originally slated for American people, black people did not qualify for those funds nope. at first. They didn't qualify, Lavetta, because they were black. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just want to clarify. Okay. So um so that happened, but generally speaking, the family were considered pretty middle class and especially after the, the civil uh af- after the Great Depression, that is, excuse me, um, began to pass and they got a little bit more stability. So like you have to <clears throat> diversify because you don't know which white person's gonna burn what business down. Come on, yep. man. Yep. <sighs> And people forget, like, if your business is burned down, they didn't have insurance back no, then. No, like, it was gone. They, it's just gone. So now, especially they weren't giving insurance policies to black people for their businesses. Yeah. Now, if you were a white person, you probably could get some life, some insurance on your business, but not as a black person. No. Now, um, now back to Coretta's childhood. So growing up, she described herself as a tomboy. And I actually, oh, before I forget, uh, my sources, some of my sources come from Visionary, a YouTube channel called Visionary Project, another YouTube, YouTube channel called Academy of Achievement, an NBC article from Char Adams, among many, many other sources. But those are my main sources for today's a story. Now, <clears throat> in one of the interviews I watched, she she was talking about how she was a tomboy, you know, like yeah. she loved climbing trees and wrestling her uh uh cousins and boys and um and she said she would fight. She was like I would, you know, I would really? fight. I would fight anybody. And once she was playing around, you know, rough housing with a male cousin and he was coming towards her, you know, they were playing and and she had an axe in her hand. <gasps> And he came oh towards God. her and she hit him and it broke the skin. So oh obviously God. his mother and it started to bleed. And of course, oh his mother was upset. Yeah. And she was like, I'm going to put you in jail. I'm going to call da, 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 da. Mm. Uh, because she would just fight. She was like, I was just so like, but I love that because even at that young age, she had like that fight in her. Yeah. That, that sense of like fight, you know. Um, but eventually her siblings and family members were like, that's A, that's not ladylike, but B, mm. if you're so mean all the time, if you're fighting people, you won't have any friends. And so yeah, she's that's like, very well, true. Friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, so little Coretta's like, well, I want oh. friends. So, so oh. she decided to 
stop fighting people and become okay. a little bit more ladylike. Um, and which is ironic that she was known as like a fighter as a very young kid because yeah. she would be known with, you know, uh, be synonymous with the nonviolent movement. Yeah, no, I era. think that's like, amazing. But like, yeah. listen, there's many ways to get your rage out. And sometimes it's a nonviolent way. But, you know, listen, she this, born with rage. She, I get it. She basically just described me as like a five or six year old because I would fight you. I would fight a boy. I'd pop him in the face. I'd wrestle him. I'd put him in a headlock. Uh, and my mother used to be like, what is wrong with you? That's not lady. Like, you're supposed to be a young lady. I'm like, eh. just want to climb trees and, and ride so dirt funny. bikes. That's all I wanted to do. Um, and so, but it's so interesting. I think that's probably a common uh, experience for little girls, especially if you grow up in the South and yeah. the country. Cause she was saying, she was like, you know, in the South, there's a lot of space. And you, when you're out in the country, kids can, kids can always figure out how to have Listen, fun. Listen, so. I will say this. My kids, their friends, they love to battle. They love and they get into it. And you have to like, well, now it's like modern parenting is more like you can't touch each other. You can, it's like, I have to pretend, but like, yeah. do they have pretend weapons? I don't know. Maybe I'm not admitting anything because yeah. <laughs> I would never encourage that. So yeah. I've, I've said nothing. Move on stop looking yeah, at me. I think you kind of <laughs> I also think that's where kids build like self-esteem I mean you have to watch over yeah. them and, I mean because if one has an axe you have to be like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Where, yeah the axe is maybe uh, put that down yeah yeah put that down <laughs> um but you kind of have to let them um go at it it's like watching young um even though humans are not animals but I was just watching the cutest video of like a I think it was like a a baby tiger Oh. Or baby tigers like play fighting, like you'll watch them play fighting yeah. and they're like, Arr! you know, and it's like kind of reminds me of that of really young kids. But but uh, despite all of that, she actually made a conscious effort like I'm going to be more ladylike and stop trying to beat up everybody. So, right. <laughs> uh, well, so she wanted friends. I get it. She wanted friends. Like so in high school now in high school, she excelled at not only academics, but she became a leading soprano for oh. the school's uh, chorus. Okay. Um, she also directed the choir at her home church in North Perry uh, country and uh, county and eventually graduated Victorian from Lincoln Normal School in 1945. The end Someone of is World very smart. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And in school, she also played the trumpet and the piano and she participated in the school musicals all while taking classes college classes at uh antioch college in yellow springs ohio nearby oh wow yeah so she was and also around this time she you've seen pictures of her she was a very uh if she wanted to become ladylike and more poised she succeeded because she was a very attractive yeah. young lady um at this time and you know and then became a singer now in one of the interviews she also said that she she had a teacher it was a a, a black female teacher who uh was a singer and she introduced them to the classics and she was so impressed with this lady because not only did she have this beautiful voice but she also played the piano and it yeah. really inspired her and she's like i want to be just like her so it really Aww. got her into music uh and singing on a classical level so now wow, that's intense. she after yeah after call after high school she um she was also 
she started studying music and education at Antioch College. So after high school, she went to Antioch College um, and she studied music with Walter Anderson, the first non-white chair of an academic department in a historically white college. Um, She also became politically active. Again, that fire. She needed somewhere to put that fire, right? Um, And she, uh, she was experiencing her own experiences of of racial discrimination by the local school board because she was studying education and they were making it harder for the black students. She couldn't uh, complete some of her uh, requirements because they wouldn't do that for the black students. But it's like, well, how am I supposed to get my hours of training and complete my education if you're not allowing black students to do that? Oh, they're like, just, you know what? We let you in in the first place and we're willing to take your money. But outside of that, yeah, we're not going to prepare you for the world. Thanks. Yeah. She just, the entire time she was there, she had to continue. She had to fight to just continue her education because they were like, oh, well, we don't admit. And it's like, well, why are you admit black students? if You're not going to let them take the classes that they need to grab. Anyway. Because they'll take their money. um, That's why. Yes. And they want to be able to say, oh, no, no, no. We're the good white people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's lip service. It's lip service. It's lip service. Um, She also joined the Antioch chapter of the NAACP um, and the college's race relations and civil liberties community. So she was very, she was a very active uh, rights for fighting for rights, uh, not only because of her own experience, but experience of her family members, people around her, people in her community. Um, and she had a uh, she already had a strong sense of justice, but right. it really was, you know, intensified while in college. Now, side note, around this time, she while working while going to school, she worked as a babysitter for the Lithgow family and babysat actor John Lithgow. <gasps> What? Yeah. What? I don't know what you just said. (laughs) That's crazy. Oh, my God. So he owes her everything. That's what I just heard. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's that's what you heard. heard. Now, now, thankfully, she eventually got out of Antioch. She graduated and won a scholarship to the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston to study voice. Okay. Um, now, of her time at the conservatory, she said that she felt like it was just where she's supposed to be. Um, and also because she she got in and so she was on her way to there when she got news that she actually got a scholarship because she was just going to go there and try just try and figure out a way to make it happen because the people at Antioch were getting on her nerves. Yeah, so, no. And this is where she wanted to be. It's, you know, it's a very yeah. prestigious university, a conservatory. So, but on the way there, because back then we didn't have cell phones and have computers, mm. people just left a message at the house. Yep. Um, but she, when she heard about the scholarship, she was so excited because for the first time, instead of babysitting, doing all this other stuff, she could really focus on her interest in music, on voice mm. and just studying. Yeah. Uh, so she's very happy about that. Now, while studying uh, at the conservatory in Boston, she met a graduate theology student uh, at uh, Boston University by the name of Martin Luther <gasps> King Jr. Oh, he sounds familiar. Now, <laughs> now a friend gave her gave Martin her number after he asked about the girls on campus because he probably got there was like, "Where the black girls at? Like, what, yeah. what are we doing?" Even though we know that Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Famously, we're dating white women mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yes. And his parents are like, no, that's not going to happen. Can I uh, tell because you? Because they will kill you. They will kill that, you dead. 
I had a daydream in college that when they made the movie of Martin Luther King, I would play uh, the white girl he fell in love with. I would like oh. reenact. Mm-hmm. I was ready. <laughs> he was a handsome man. I, I was give very him that. obsessed very with Martin man. Luther King since I was like a little kid. So, I, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good person to be obsessed with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Martin liked the ladies. So he, he probably did. got there was like, where the yeah, ladies at? Uh, yeah. So a friend of his, uh, a mutual friend gave him her number. Um, and, uh, initially she was like, mm, I don't know about all this. I'm, I'm busy with my stuff. Yeah. I'm busy. Listen, I ain't got time for men. Okay. <laughs> These boys. Coretta's like, I'm about that business. I'm going to be a singer. I don't have time for boys. Yeah. Uh, no, seriously. Her sister, her sister was like, she didn't have time for boys. She was just like, focus on her career on her studies and but she agreed to go out with them and so when she met him <laughs> she I love that I love that story okay fine <laughs> they talked on the they talked on the phone first and then when she okay. met him in person she was like she was surprised at how short he was <laughs> <laughs> I love he shows up she's like all right we're well, a little short uh, I mean, like I could do better but I guess you could uh, buy me dinner you know. <laughs> Um, so now when he met her though, again, she's this, and a lot of people want to invoke, uh, Coretta Scott King because she looks like in the black community that is she, she's this light skin, very beautiful, poised kind of woman. Right. And they, they put these qualities on her that she may or may not have just by the way she looks. Okay. Yeah. Um, but she is, uh, and it's just, she, she's a stunner, like but, but light skin, dark skin, Miss Coretta Scott King was a stunner. Like, yeah. yeah. So she was a stunner. And so he told her, he put the game on it. He was like, look here, girl, uh, you have all the qualities that I need in a wife. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, slow your roll player. Slow your roll. Okay. That's right. You don't even know me like that. <laughs> He's putting the game on hard. He's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> She's like a singer. Oh, okay, okay. You know, she's like, um, I'm basically famous. You have to earn this. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, slow your roll. So he, after their first date, he was like, Can I see you again? She's like, mm, Maybe. Um, no, no. She said she she liked him after they started talking yeah. and things like that. So they went to a party. Now the two began dating regularly after that. Um, and in the early months of 1952, um. She apparently two weeks after meeting Coretta Martin wrote to his mother and he was like, I met my wife. Wow. And and his parents are probably like, imagine your child comes home or writes to you. It's like, I met my wife. She's like, slow, slow your roll. Play it. I'm already rolling my eyes for when my children pull this shit on me. Yeah. 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 Um, now, during their relationship, though, again, it was Coretta because Coretta had that experience of her family, of her home and her her uh, parents uh, business being burned down. You know, her grandparents had to deal with the same thing. Um, she really was into like uh, political and racial justice. Yeah. And she really got him fired up. You know, he Martin was, by all accounts, from an upper class family. He was yeah. a black man studying for his Ph.D., which was a new studying for a Ph.D. is still unusual today, but yeah. especially in the 1950s. And he had a legacy. He came from a very prominent Atlanta family and he had a legacy and he had the pressures of of that. 
Um, so his parents are like, that's why they were like, you cannot be dating some white girl. Not because necessarily we're against that. It's because they will kill you. Yeah. They will no. kill you. Yeah, they're right. Um, so, uh, no. Um, and they also had very high expectations for him. Um, now, of course, Coretta's being uh, a 10 that she was, a bad one, a bad bitch. I, I don't want to call her a bitch, but in, in, in the loving term, uh, in the she was a bad one. She was a bad she was a bad mama jamma. That's an old term from the 80s from a, a song, but she was a bad mama jamma. I hear uh, you. She had a lot of men that were interested in her too. So, um, but I think when she got to know him and they got to spend actually quality time together and she realized he was a man of substance, she actually told her sister uh, who was like, she didn't really think about guys that much. She was just sort of her her sister Edith was like, she didn't really talk about guys. She had relationships, but she wasn't really boy crazy. She was focused on herself. Um, right. She actually began to like him and she told her sister. And once she did that, her sister was like, oh, I think she really likes him. I think that this is something that's solid. Um, now, be. She, her hesitation at dating him and getting serious was because she realized that, you know, with his family expectations, if, if they were eventually going to be married, she would probably have to put her professional singing career on hold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was something she thought long and hard about, uh, but she actually liked him. Um, she, she just found him. She said he also had the qualities that she liked in a man and he had substance. Um, okay. And so, you know, uh, now, interestingly enough, like, again, Miss Coretta Scott King was a bad mamma jamma. She's she's uh, smart. She's uh, uh, principled. She is of substance. She's beautiful. She's educated. I mean, if my son brought home a woman like that, I'd be like, yeah, a young yeah. lady like that. No, yeah, that's fine. Not Martin's parents. Mm mm. No, nope. what? Martin's what? parents were like, um, "No, are you kidding? That's like on all we of don't know about all of this." What? What's wrong? I have a feeling. I don't know if it's true. I have a feeling they may, in their mind, had a type of woman for him that was not that Coretta did not match. I don't know how she could not have matched it because she seems obvious to us. But I wonder maybe they wanted somebody in town in Atlanta, yeah. like elite other black elite people. If they had, they, had a young woman in mind, you know, I was going to say based on my watching of the Gilded Age that they might have had a specific <laughs> like I learned a lot. Like that was a history so documentary right <laughs> good um yeah yeah so yeah i know everything now i'm smarter than everybody um <laughs> but i could see that there was like one or two women that they'd been eyeing for probably years possibly like yeah. this is yeah. a good match but that's ridiculous because she's amazing she's amazing i also think uh maybe they had heard a lot about her um, so when they met her, they were sort of like, mm, I don't know about this. But then apparently they kind of <laughs> grilled her when they met her. And, really? and the yeah. And the father was like, uh, uh, Martin Sr. was like, well, he has a lot to offer. And she quit back. Well, I have a lot to offer as well. OK. Yeah. Um, so and I think they were also kind of vetting her because um, his parents would have grown up in uh during the gilded age actually yeah uh, so some of the and these are well-off black people so they had some sort of they wanted to know who her quote people were 
So they actually met with her older sister, Edith, and they kind of pulled the same thing like, well, we don't know if she's good enough for him. And, you know, for her to pull Martin as a husband, it's, you know, good for her. And Edith was like, well, uh, Coretta's a good catch for Martin. So don't get it twisted. okay? Yeah, that's Um, right. That's a good sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whatever it was, the two, I think also they might may have been concerned that she would distract him for from getting his doctorate and which was very, very important in achieving the things that they had set out for him. Uh, because by all accounts, uh, Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s parents were uh, very strong influences, both his mother and his father. So. Um, I think that they, that may have been, and I love how Coretta and her sister were like, uh, don't get it twisted. He, I'm a catch. Uh, so yeah, I love uh, that. whatever happened, they worked it out because the two married on June 18th, 1953. Okay. Uh, now side note, Coretta had the vow to quote, obey her husband removed from the ceremony, which was she unusual is my queen. at the time. Listen, mm-hmm. That's all you need to say. Like, you could stop now. She is a hero. Yep. That's right. 1953, I will not obey anyone. No. Mm -mm. Exactly. That's right. So now, after completing her degree at the conservatory, she and Martin moved to uh, Montgomery, Alabama in 1954. Now, of that time, she recalled, quote, after we married, we moved to Montgomery, Alabama, where my husband had accepted an invitation to be the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. Right. Before long, we found ourselves in the middle of the Montgomery bus boycott. Yes. And Martin was elected leader of the protest movement. As the boycott continued, I had a growing sense that I was involved in something so much greater than myself, something of profound historic importance. I came to the realization that we had been thrust into the forefront of a movement to liberate oppressed people, not only in Montgomery, but also throughout our country. And this movement had worldwide implications. I felt blessed to have been called to be a part of such a noble and historic cause, end quote. It's yeah. amazing. She's amazing. And this is the perfect kind of uh, partner to have because this is a woman yeah. who has her own strong sense of self, but also is even had the, the fact that she had the question in her mind, like, I'm going to probably have to give up my yeah. uh, singing aspirations, music aspirations to be a proper wife, right, to a minister. The fact that she even had that inclination is means that he was very, very lucky to have her. Okay. Well, I um, I think now, I hope his parents recognize. Okay, I'm still mad at them. I think so. I think so. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Oh, we all Maybe make not. mistakes. Now, um, the couple moved to the church's uh, parsonage, and they settled quickly into the new life she taught uh she was a member of the choir and taught sunday school as well as participated in the baptist training union and missionary society they also began having children eventually they would have four children yolanda martin dexter and bernice all four uh all four children would later follow in their parents civil rights footsteps and become Mm -hmm. activists um, but fresh into the marriage. And again, this is a strikingly gorgeous young couple. Yeah. Like, look up like um, Coretta yeah. and Martin in like 1954. <laughs> like, you're just like, wow, that looks like a movie star couple. Like, yeah, gorgeous. they do. They look like a movie star couple. Yeah. And again, they were thrust in the, in the uh, as, as sort of like the poster children, Martin especially, for and the 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 voice 
of the Montgomery bus boycott and social protest. Now, the Montgomery bus boycott was a social protest campaign against the policy of racial discrimination on the public transit system of Montgomery, Alabama. It lasted for over a year. So it lasted between 55 and 56, 1955 and 1956. And basically, there's always a bunch of people in a movement who are working behind the scenes. But, you know, because... This this young, you know, minister who has his doctorate and has his beautiful young wife and this beautiful young family. It was just like uh, it's is a beautiful it's like black Camelot, as they love to say about the mm. uh, Kennedy. So um, mm. now during this time, Coretta, she jumped into it. She, ba- she again, she's balancing motherhood, being a wife and an activist in her own right. Yeah. Okay. Now, she also had to endure numerous credible threats, physical threats to her family, including a bombing attempt at the home in 1956. Yeah, I remember that. And again, this is a young girl whose family's house was burned down along with the family's business. Right. When she's very young. That's right. So um, also in 1958, Martin uh, was on a a nationwide, uh, he was already a nationwide figure and he was arrested for political activism mm. and then stabbed while signing copies of his book, Stride Toward Freedom, on September 20th, 1958. So she had to get with that. She rushed to his his side, of course. Uh, in 1959, Coretta and Martin went to, along with Lawrence D. Reddick, uh, went on a five week tour of India. The three were invited to hundreds of engagements during their trip. She used her singing ability to to get the crowds excited about the cause um, and about what they were facing back in the United States. It lasts. It was a month long stay. That's amazing. Um, I know. Um, when he got back in 19, and then in 1960, he was jailed again. Uh, but by this time, she had some very powerful uh, help and an ally in Robert Kennedy, who, after right. Martin was arrested in 1960, yep, he called her and said, quote, I want to express my concern about your husband. I know this must be very hard on you. I understand you're expecting a baby. And I just want you to know that I was thinking about you and Dr. King. If there's anything I can do, please feel free to call on me. <laughs> End quote. Um, and apparently um, he reached out. She he, he she said, I need this. He reached out. He helped them. And then she said to the press later on, quote, it made me feel good that he called me personally and let me know how he felt. End quote. Yeah. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the goodwill for the uh, for Robert wouldn't always extend to JFK. Um, yeah. It wouldn't be as warm as that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Coretta and Martin often understood the, you know, the precarious predicament that JFK, who was the first Catholic president, was under. He had to sort of balance like, oh, you're Courtney. Like, uh, people don't realize, like, it was a big deal when he became president, JFK, because yeah, he was like, the first Catholic he broke, president. Like, like, such massive barriers by being a different kind of Christian. Like, my God, you guys, a different kind of white cisgendered Still Christian, yeah. just not. But there was that. There's some pushback on JFK. I, I mean, and then no, he was killed. So there's that. I mean, uh, but that's why this country is so many levels of fucked up. I mean, I so mean, so they understood because they understood yeah. the thing about them. Coretta Scott King, along with Martin Luther King Jr., obviously, were very uh, sophisticated. Um, 
uh, activists and uh, leaders, political leaders, because they understood that you can't always ask up front. You have to be nuanced. You have to be strategic. You have to push people. um, You have to kind of like... uh, push people gently. Right. Right. Um, But they also, again, understood that he JFK had his own uh, set of, uh, you know, challenges that he was trying to navigate and balance as well. Now, throughout the civil rights movement, um, which spanned many decades, people don't realize that. um, But especially after they joined in the 50s, the kings would be at the front and center uh, of the one that we think of as the main um, civil rights movement that was sort of kicked off with the Montgomery bus boycott. Right. Um, now, Coretta was not just a piece of like a beautiful piece of arm candy. She was a powerful woman and a passionate activist in her own right. Um, having known Bayard Rustin, the leading figure and organizer of the March on Washington as a child, by the time she and Martin met in college, she had already uh, developed a strong sense of justice and activism. Yeah. Uh, and she felt that it must be acted on. Um, but she understood the power of image and of using the press uh, in the fight for equality. And she used her presence. She understood that she was a pretty light skinned woman and how that looked. And her husband was a, a handsome chocolate man. She understood how that looked. Right. Um, and one of the ways she uh, strategized on that image and the positivity of their image together during the movement, she often put on uh, freedom concerts that would help raise money for the cause, but also spread awareness about the movement. Um, That's cool. You know, she I didn't used- know that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, which is why the FBI, uh, these, these fuckers. So uh, the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover, we should say. Now, they yeah, were involved in all dick. kinds of things. Yeah. They were involved Vassal. in all kinds of things to uh, undermine the fight for liberation, for uh, civil rights, rights for black people. For gay decades. Pe- all kinds of people. Ugh. Decades. He. Hoover was in charge. So he began to sow dissent and he tried to do that because he had Martin under surveillance, of course. Um, And so what he did was when they had heard that, you know, he traveled a lot, Martin traveled a lot. And that unfortunately was a a lot of cause of their internal strife within the relationship because he was gone a lot and she was left at home a lot with the kids. And she just wanted, and she loved her husband. So she wanted to spend quality time with him. Yeah. Um, Now, so they knew that Martin is no uh, no secret now that Martin had a uh, roaming eye. Yeah. Um, and so when he was away from his family, he often was in the company of other women. Yeah. So because the FBI was hounding him and recording every thing that they could on him, they had recordings of him with other women on the phone, you know. So I just never understood, knew- like, is... He's not, y'all, you know, I mean, I do understand, but like, anyways, like land of the free home of the brave, but ass is what I have to say about that. Okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, this is what they're trying to say is happening now. No, it was happening then. It was, of course, happening then. Yes. Yeah. So now Coretta often sorted the mail, you know, at home and- The, the which they got this intel by because they're spying on them. So they had they came up with the scheme. Basically, they would send her um, uh, recordings of him with other women. 
because they knew she would open it and probably listen to it. Right. Um, she did. And she immediately called her husband um, and it gave obviously they were like, here we go. Here we go. It's going to ruin his marriage. Here we go. We're going to, um, you know, make this man obsolete. He's going to be tired of with women's problems. Right. Um, and she eventually played the tapes in the presence of 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 Martin, along with Andrew Young, Ralph, Ralph Abernathy and Joseph Lowry. Now, publicly, she would say, quote, I couldn't make much uh, out of it. It was just a little mumbo jumbo, end quote. But we all know what mm. was probably going on behind the scenes. I personally would have probably strangled uh, Martin in front of his friends. Yeah. And they'd be like, the bitch is crazy. Uh, because I got issues. I got, And also, this okay. is a girl who used an axe when she was little. Yeah, she's <laughs> against her cousin. Yeah. A boy. <laughs> so, Coretta got some fire. Martin, yeah, uh, I don't know what happened behind closed doors, but... Mm. Uh, uh, maybe she tried to strangle him. I don't know. I, 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 I yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, so that it failed. And again, we don't really know exactly what happened. We can only guess, right? Um, because it's 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 public humiliation. It's you know, or they're trying to make it public. But also, yeah. she understood what the FBI was trying to do in right. sending the recordings i think she made the choice for the greater good of humanity as opposed to what she really wanted to do to him that's what i think happened good on her that's not that's not an easy choice to make so after probably uh allegedly uh maybe mm -hmm. uh taking uh, taking her hands from around his neck as he's uh convulsing on the floor after almost trying to strangle her husband uh she Uh got up and probably smoothed her her skirt and her hair and she went back to doing the business of the civil rights movement yeah um she would be instrumental as well as she and many, many, many other people, uh, including Martin, uh, in helping to pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Yep. Um, in 1968, she also found uh, the Martin Luther King Center for Nonviolent Social Social Change in Atlanta. Um, she was also a great moderator for Martin. She was a great supporter uh, with other leaders. Uh, Malcolm X and her. Malcolm X apparently spoke with yeah. her days before his own assassination. Oh, and he assured her that he was not in Alabama to make trouble for her husband, but instead to make white people have more appreciation for King's uh, nonviolent protests, <laughs> seeing the alternative. Like Malcolm's that. like, listen. They can get with this or they can get with that. So, right. uh, which I think is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, she also criticized the sexism in the civil rights movement, which there was a lot. Uh, yep. In January of 19, in 1966, in New Lady magazine, she said, quote, not enough attention has been focused on the roles played by women in the struggle. By and large, men have formed the leadership in the civil rights struggle, but women have been the backbone of the whole civil rights movement. End quote. She also participated in the women's strike for peace and protest in 1968 in the capital uh, of Washington, D.C., with over 5000 women wow. uh, in honor of the first woman elected to the House of Representatives. The group uh, was called the Janet Rankin Brigade. Nice. She also co-chaired the Congress of Women Conference with Pearl Willem and Mary Clark. Every step of the way, she was beside Martin, but she was also doing the same amount of work uh, in the move in the civil rights movement, but in other movements as well. And she was a powerful uh, and strong advocate for uh, women's voices in the movement. 
She's okay. a hero. Now, she, this woman is extraordinary. Martin was really lucky to get this woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, sat, now we all know that on April 4th, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. Yes. Um, the following day, he... Uh, she arrives in, in Memphis to retrieve his body and she decided that the casket should be kept open during the funeral with the hope that his children, their children, would realize yeah. upon seeing his body that he would not be coming home. Um, oh. Now, after the shock and the numerous uprisings, because there were a lot of, uh, quote unquote, riots, I would call them uprisings in response to yeah. him being killed. Yeah, um, she was. just she continued her work. Just days after his death, she spoke at Ebenezer Baptist Church and made her first statement on on his views since he had died. She said that her children, that her husband told their children, quote, if a man had nothing that was worth dying for, then he was not fit to live, end quote. So she just continued the work. Uh, Not long after the assassination, um, she took... uh, place she took a uh, part in a peace rally in new york city and she used uh the notes uh he had written because he was supposed to take uh be at the peace rally but she took his place so she showed up in okay. his stead um and did the speech in his in his stead um she like i said this woman was amazing she after uh, after the assassination, she actually got a second win almost. Uh, she, you know, uh, protested against the, the Vietnam War. Uh, yes. She continued to support women's rights, LGBTQ rights, economic rights, world peace and various other causes. Um, in 1969, she and her daughter, uh, a burnt in her. Her, she and Bernita Burnett left for India again before arriving in the country. The two had stopped in Verona, Italy, and the king um, awarded her the Universal Love Award. Oh. And she became the first non-Italian to receive the award. Um, she also traveled to London. So she went around um, and just traveled around getting, again, keeping the word uh, up and keeping the message yes. up. Um, she, like I said, she founded the nonviolent social ch- for social social change in Atlanta. Um, she became the president and CEO. Uh, she also every year after the assassination um, of Martin, she would uh, attend a commemorative service at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Oh. Um, she basically just became an extension. She carried on the work and she did say of the FBI, because after Martin died, they started following her. Oh my God. Whole, of there's course a they ton did. of, they started following her. And she Don't said later like, on, actual that she was like, problems. Like can the FBI deal with actual problems? Like I watched, she's an like, angry, Oh, she's, she's obviously she has melanin, so woman. she obviously must be an angry black woman. She's going to do something that an angry black woman would do. do obviously, so you have to watch her. I you almost know? forgot. <laughs> Why yeah, go after um, actual criminals? Okay, yeah. yeah. Now no. later on, they it's so funny the FBI because she wrote a memoir. Of course, uh, she so she became an author. Uh, they wrote quote uh, they studied her memoir and concluded that she would quote, was a selfless, magnanimous, decorous attitude is belied by, quote, actual shrewd, calculating business-like activities, end quote. (laughs) Oh, my God. J. Edgar, 
seriously she has find a, brain. a hobby i don't know maybe golf has- white men love golf go to there jesus no, no. christ got a hound Come got a hound on. oppress people yeah. um after now in 1969 she also established an annual coretta scott king award to honor african-american authors of outstanding uh, texts for children and in 1979 a similar award was added to honor outstanding african-american illustrators and this gets me to when i was a little kid i used okay. to go to my elementary uh library because i was a big old nerd yes you and were. they had they had these like kids books on like uh, like political leaders and 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 public figures and i would read the coretta scott king one over and over and over and over again <gasps> As well as the Helen Keller one, as well as like, you know, Harriet Tubman. Like, I used to read all of these over and it just reminds me of that. Like, you know, it's important um, for the young people to. And I thought she was so cool and so brave. And I was not wrong because as an adult, I think she's even more cool. So um, she also fought for years to make it a national uh, Martin's birthday, a national holiday, which was finally successful in 1986. And that is why we have uh, MLK Day, which is coming up uh, as a federal holiday. Uh, Um, In uh, the time of this podcast, we just passed it. But yeah. Yep, it's coming. Yep, it's coming yep. up. So in 1983, <laughs> she also uh, endorsed Jesse Jackson for president against Ronald Reagan. Uh, and she mm. also dismissed the claim that Martin would have become a presidential candidate. She's like, nah, that's not something he was interested in. Um, she, in addition to fighting for women's rights and LGBTQ rights, she also took uh, took part in the fight against apartheid. And on June 26, 1985, she was arrested along with her daughter, Bernice, and her son, uh, uh, Martin Jr., or Martin III, uh, while taking part in a protest at the embassy of South Africa in Washington, D.C. Um, she also gifted the name, her name to the her alma mater, Antioch, which is interesting, interesting. how she had so much problems there yeah uh to create the coretta scott king center as an exper- experiential li- experimental i was trying to be fancy <laughs> learning resource to address issues of race class gender diversity and social justice for the campus and the surrounding community the center opened in 2007 now there was some kind of scary things after you know because she's a widow uh at this point during the 1990s she was subjected to multiple break-ins at her really? home by a man by the name of Lyndon Fitzgerald Pace, who had admitted to killing many women in the area. He Oof. broke up in the he broke into the home once in the middle of the night and found her while she was sitting in her bed. So yeah. After That's nearly terrifying. eight years of staying, yeah. After nearly eight years after that and, and of encountering this guy, just broke into her home. She finally moved to a condo, uh, which was yeah. also um, a, a building that was also part time uh, for Elton John, Janet Jackson, and Ooh, it was yes. bought. The condo was bought by Oprah Winfrey. Yes, reportedly. Oprah. 
Now, in 2005, so she's just going. Since 1968, since the assassination, she's just going, 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 working, working hard. And it's interesting because she continued to sacrifice because she knew that it was probably more fruitful for her to use her, her tireless energy and time towards this cause and these causes. Um, but she said she always wanted, you know, um, afterwards, after Martin died, to go back to her singing career and maybe release an album. I mean, of yes. the freedom concerts, like, cause she thought it would be a great historical, um, totally. piece of material, but she said, you know, when you're a singer, you need to rest. And she's like, I just never got time to rest. And she's like, this was back in 1997. She was saying this and she's like, I just never really got time to do that. Cause it was just always some work to be done. Right. Um, so she just worked tirelessly. And in 2005, she began having some health challenges um, that eventually culminated in in her death. So what? the death of the author, activist, civil rights leader, wife and mother on January 30th, 2006 at the rehab center in Rosarita Beach, Mexico at the Oasis Hospital. Now, apparently she was there undergoing therapy for a stroke and advanced stage ovarian cancer. Oh. Um, the cause of her death was believed to be respiratory failure due to complications from ovarian cancer. But the clinic had some uh, controversy around it because when they started looking, because obviously a, a figure like as important as her and prominent as her dies there, they're gonna, people are going to start looking closely. Yeah. And apparently the, the hospital... Um, this place didn't they didn't have a license they didn't have uh, a license to do the things that they were doing and they were illegally performing surgery taking x-rays performing lab work so that's a whole separate thing i'm sure that could be so check in on your loved ones i've just had someone very dear to me pass away so check on make sure you're checking on um the medical care of your loved ones particularly the older ones even famous ones because again this is a very famous prominent woman um and so yeah so she passed away like i said on january 30th 2006 now her funeral was eight hours long oh my god yeah and it it was at the new birth missionary baptist church in lithonia uh georgia and it was held on february 7th 2006 um her daughter uh reverend bernice king delivered the eulogy uh in attendance were u.s presidents uh george w bush bill clinton george h w bush Jimmy Carter, as well as the first ladies, with the exception of Barbara Bush, who had a previous engagement. Um, Senator and future president Barack Obama, along with Michelle, were and, and other elected officials attended. It was televised, so you can look that up. Now, after her death, there was a memoir uh, that was published called My Life, My Love, My Legacy in 2017. Mm-hmm. And it was based on 30 years of interviews that she had had with Barbara Walters. Oh, I mean, Barbara uh, Reynolds, Barbara Reynolds. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Now, more importantly, though, I just want to get to this uh, and I'm going to wrap it up here. Her legacy, the legacy of Coretta Scott King is that it shows you that you can even if you're standing beside a very powerful uh, man or um, partner, you can also carve out your own contributions in life. Yeah. And you can become and be just as unforgettable and dynamic and uh, and have a, a legacy that that is as long lasting as any man that you could be attached to. Um, 
And thank God in the modern world, we realize that and people have, you know, obviously she's always been a very um, compelling figure. So she has been portrayed by many different uh, actresses and many different, you know, TV film plays by um, on on the movement, on Martin, on her. Uh, She was played by Cicely Tyson in a 1978 television series called King. Angela Bassett famously played her in a 2013 uh, television movie about the relationship between Coretta Scott King and Betty Shabazz, Malcolm X's. uh, Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I want to see that. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, that was really, really good. Um, And then she was played by Carmen Ejogo in the uh, the film Selma, directed by Ava DuVernay, and most recently by actress Cara Patterson in Rustin, the film that's on Netflix, which I highly, highly recommend. It's excellent. Um, And finally, it brings me to uh, the recent reason that Miss Coretta Scott King has been in the limelight, because... Um, like I said, she's a beautiful young woman. We all know she's very poised. Uh-huh. She's she was an she was an amazing woman. So uh-huh. some men have fixated on her uh, mm. for right for rightfully good reasons, uh, including actor Jonathan Majors, who um, he's been making the rounds uh. because recently uh-huh. he's been going through his own like legal battles mm. um so there's so in an audio recording that was admitted during his trial recently okay. stemming from an altercation with his ex-girlfriend okay majors is her telling his then girlfriend who is white and british by the way oh that she needs to behave more like coretta scott king and former first lady michelle obama uh what what he need to be put in jail just for telling a white lady she need to be yeah. more like Coretta Scott yeah. King and Michelle Obama. That's uh, crime enough. That's crime enough. She should have shot back like, I'm white. What are you talking about? Uh, excuse I mean, me? Hillary Clinton, maybe? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm white. I should be compared to Hillary Clinton or Lady Bird Johnson. I don't know. But I don't the know. Coretta Scott King and <laughs> Michelle Obama is confusing me. But and also, also I'm British. So this I, is very confusing. Yes. But also, what do you want? You, you think I should lead c- the community you know to justice? If? What? What are you saying? You know what she should have asked him. So, are you saying I need to wear blackface? <laughs> like, like, what are what what about these women should I be? <laughs> She's been like, I, I feel like you're telling me I should oh, wear blackface, and dude, that's not cool. Listen, I'm not doing that. Okay, there's all sorts okay. of problems with his life right now and choices he has made allegedly or proven. I think it's proven. I don't know. I'm just gonna say the word alleged so that we don't get in trouble. Yeah, we don't want to get in trouble. But no, also, but he, you know, because he damn. was convicted of, of some of the charges and yeah, he and he's having his own battles. But also in a recent GMA interview, he repeated the Coretta Scott King. He's, so now he has a new girlfriend. He said it again. You yes. you know what I mean? Like maybe you're like in a drunken stupor and you don't remember. You said it again. You meant it. Mm. He he's mm. he's obsessed with Miss Coretta Scott King, and so his now girlfriend, his new girlfriend, actress Megan Good, who is a, a force within her own right. Again, I don't know who she is. Um, he he said in an interview that she is his Coretta. I think I have found her. Uh, that's a loose quote, but uh, so again, now of course, he, mm, of mm, course, mm-hmm. he gonna get these jokes because <laughs> because it's like. 
Are you obsessed? Somebody need to check Miss Coretta Scott King's uh, tomb because this yeah. man is obsessed with Miss Coretta Scott I'm just, King. What I'm saying is uh, that he's like, you're my Coretta. To you're the Coretta to my Martin Luther King Jr. That like, but he's an I, actor. I know that. Ah, <laughs> uh, a problematic one. Uh, in fact, can I, he yeah, not I, compare himself? Also, I mean, listen, and I'm not saying that. I, I understand what he was trying to say. Basically, he's trying you? to say, I'm a great I mean, man. Yeah, he's saying, right. I'm a great man. So I need a great woman like Coretta Scott King. But it's like, you yeah, also saying that saying. you Martin Luther King, Martin, Lu- Martin Luther the King mm. Jr., as we no. say in the black community. Martin Luther the King, that's who you're saying you are? Oh, no, player, we're not doing that. No. You, you no. got to do a but little also, bit more for the world in a positive way before you could start that journey towards being... You also, know, and you just got here, dude. Like you, I feel like if an actor could say that, that would be Denzel or Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, maybe? yeah. But yeah. they would say that. That's why they're great. They wouldn't. <laughs> they would say never that. say the, that. The reason I'm hesitant is because they would be like, "But I'm an actor, and I didn't do what he yeah. did, which is very, very different from my life." Yeah. You know, good on him. You know. What he is, they would he, say. If I'm not thinking of the right person. Yeah, you are. You are. Then, then he's got. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm. one last thing. So, in response <laughs> to Jonathan Majors invoking uh, Coretta Scott King's name, yet again, her daughter, Reverend Bernice King, is not having it. She wrote recently in her post, "quote My mother wasn't a prop." She goes on to say she was a peace advocate before she met my father and was instrumental in him speaking out against the Vietnam War. Please understand, my mama was a force, end quote. And she said it better than I can say it. So we're going to end on Bernice King's words about Coretta (laughs) Scott King. So I'm sorry that was a little long, but she, Coretta Scott King, uh, yeah. I mean, our producers will yell at us, but I think it's fine. Um, I know. know. um, I'm going to get it. I know. No, but you can't because it's Coretta Scott King. We had to go there. We had to go all the places that she went. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Thank you so much. We need Coretta Scott King Day. I'm ready for another day off. Yes. I'm ready ready for another federal holiday off. Thank you. Yes. Who's your notorious woman this week? My notorious woman is a totally different journey we're going to go on. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. But okay, so I'm sort of, I have like a vague connection to her. It's so vague. Mm -hmm. You'll see when we get there. Okay. That's why I'm inspired. So have you ever heard of a woman named Amy Trask? Amy Trask. No. Okay. So um, I got a lot of my info from NFL.com, Giants.com, ESPN, and some other other things too. Okay. Um, but okay. So we'll start. She was born uh, in... Uh, oh my God. I don't know where she was born. I didn't find it. Uh, lies. Uh-oh. Anyways, she grew up in Brentwood. She graduated from UC Berkeley in 1982. So she was born... You know, about 24 years before that, right? 22 years before okay. that, something like that. Okay. Um, I swear I did research. I had to go all over the place to find stuff about her. So somehow okay. the day of her birth evaded me. 
Um, so she graduated from UC Berkeley in 1982 with a BA in political science. She became, became a fan of the Oakland Raiders while attending Berkeley, and she was uh, a member of Phi Beta Kappa. Now, she grew up like loving football in a way that wasn't the most common thing for girls at the time. Um, Her mom was an educator. Her dad was an aerospace engineer. They weren't all that into football, but she... Uh, her junior high had a whole like football program and like Friday Night Lights, that whole thing. And so she was right. she was really into it. A uh, quote from her, she says, yes, it's a game of power and speed, but it's also a very cerebral game, unquote. So she calls it an intellectual game of chess with speed and power. So also, as she's like kind of obsessing over this game, she was also a... Mm, what one might call like a troublemaker, like a problem oh. kid, like talk too much oh. in class um, because she just spoke her mind wherever she went mm. and she did mm-hmm. not consider this, the place or time to be an issue of the words she said. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did get good grades. She always got really, really good grades. Um so she became kind of obsessed with the team, the Raiders, right? The football team, which is, I think, interesting because when you think about Raiders fans, you're not thinking of this young intellectual woman who's analyzing the shit out of it, right? Based on right. the large trucks I drive past with Raiders stickers in the back seat. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. not, she's not driving that. You know what I'm saying? You're saying meatheads. Um, Go ahead and say it. There, you say uh, it. Meatheads. Meatheads. Don't, don't quote me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things she loved about the Raiders is like she felt like their, their, their um, culture, they were in a culture of second chances, of letting people in oh. who maybe wouldn't have been let in anywhere else. Um, oh, okay. So she went to law school at USC And it was around 1982, like after she graduated from UC Berkeley. And that was when the Raiders moved to Los Angeles. So she interned for the team in 1983. She finished school and then stopped her internship, got a job at a law firm. Um, Okay. In 1987, she went to work for the Raiders. Now, according to a friend of hers, so she does. In my research, she didn't ever want to tell the story the way she got hired. So Al Davis was a very famous owner of the Raiders. Um, And so he saw her work. So his the team hired her law firm to do a thing. I don't know what that thing is. Anyways, okay, okay. she was in a meeting like with him and he said the 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 friend says that she walks out of the meeting um and uh decided he needed to hire her. Was just like I need her on my team. Now, fun fact oh. about Al Davis is that I'm related to him like he mm, he's my second what cousin third star from the right i don't know but yeah <laughs> no i've never met him never met him oh one of those okay 
But I want to tell you a funny story because it's too funny not to tell you. So Al Davis, owner of the Raiders, right? So the family, you know, my mom's dating my dad. It's on my dad's side. And, you know, they're dating. And he said, you know, I have a family bar mitzvah to go to, right? Won't be my date. Maybe they were just married or something like that. So I think it was more like, you don't take a date to a bar mitzvah. (laughs) Okay. You go because you have no choice. Right. But I think this was like, okay, we are going to this thing. And my mom had absolutely no idea. Because again, in our family, yes, it exists. And yes, he's like a cousin, but we don't really talk about it. And so she's sitting there and she's like, there are all these huge men at this (laughs) Jewish celebration of a child's bar mitzvah. I, she's, I spent the entire time staring at these like massive humans. I couldn't figure, and that's when she found out, oh, Al owns the Raiders. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, again, never met. So they stayed, Amy and Al Davis stayed very close for the rest of, of Al's life. He was always on her side. He always um, encouraged her and fought for her in a way that was like, that feels very Ted Lasso to me. You know, oh, like I would fatherly, see, yeah. like I want to see this because Ted Lasso ended. So like we need more. I'm throwing it out there. This is why I'm talking about her because we need this movie. We need the series. I need a series. I'm not a big Ted Lasso fan. Listen, we can't be friends anymore. This is the last episode <laughs> of Notorious Women Podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope I'm, I you shouldn't all say I'm not a fan. Had a great time with us. We were friends. I'm once. sorry. I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm. It's not that I'm not a fan, but when I watch it, all I can think of is Gomer Pyle reboot. I never watched Gomer Pyle, um, and that's the second reason that this South. is our last episode. <laughs> It's because you're not from the South, so you didn't watch it. No. It wasn't on repeat. Along oh, with, yeah. Yeah. It's just like a simple American, like, oh, he's like, and I'm yeah, like, oh, everyone this is just else, Did you watch the whole thing? No, you I, watched I started like watching and I was like, I, I watched a couple episodes and a friend of mine was like, I thought you'd be into it. I was like, this is clearly Gomer Pyle, except he's like, also, I was annoyed by, because I'm an Anglo, I'm an Anglophile, you know that. I was I annoyed by that. it because it's like, this is an, this is an English person's idea of what an American is that we're just dumb. And we're like, oh, well, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of like, ooh, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, but it, but he does like, I know it gets ends, better. I know it gets it's better. So gets so good. And like, there's a Christmas episode in the second season. That's like the best Christmas episode of all time for all things other than the community season three, episode 10. Also, Best episode. It's the same issue I had with the Gilded Age the first season. I'm like, but yeah, but it's still good. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I, I know. You. Maybe I'll revisit the second season. I heard I, the second season is very different because I was just like, no, why is. is he doing a? He's doing a country bumpkin. It's and that annoyed the hell out of me. I was like, being a southerner, I'm like, we're not Damn. country bumpkins. But I digress. You were very so, triggered. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, why is he doing a country bumpkin? We do not sound like that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Well, and he's like, he, oh, oh, and we're over in the UK. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm like, what is going on? What in tarnation you, is going on here? Listen, you just a what in tarnation? Okay. <laughs> he's just foghorn leghorn the whole thing. Okay. 
<laughs> but it turns out he is very smart. No, but I know it's very sweet. Yeah. I know. I know. It's so I like beautiful. a sweet show. So. Um, I was just annoyed by the foghorn leghorn and Goma Powell of it all. <laughs> well, in our new version with Al Davis and Amy Trask, yes. there was yes. there, no one is from the South. Okay, um, good, good, good. No uh, bad second access. I know that Al Davis was born in New York. Okay. Um, so, oh, don't okay. get me started so she, on bad New York accents. I'm walking here. No, I'm just, it's terrible. It's terrible. I'm walking here. What are you doing? Stop. <laughs> do you want me to do the rest in a New York accent? Because I can. I'm so, no, I would, I'm so sorry. I'm interrupting I've you. Go ahead, I've triggered in me so many ways right now. <laughs> Shoot. Oh my god! <laughs> it's been too long. That's the problem. It's been Teresa's gonna kill us because this is way too yeah, long. Yeah, definitely. When so we're our, dead, you guys, <laughs> our producer's gonna kill us. Sorry, Teresa. <laughs> we love you so much. All we right, do. she's gonna kill us for this comment, also. Um, yeah. So let's keep going. Okay. Yes. So she took a job in the legal department in 1987. She starts working. She immediately wanted to know everything from ticketing to accounting to the way the team handled the media, like every aspect of of the company, which, you know, it's basically a company. Um, the many other workers there were not exactly thrilled that this woman was walking around trying to know everything about everybody. And who is she mm. to know about football? Um, but Al Davis encouraged her to do just that. He was like, yes, do that. So about five years into her job, he sent her to her first league meeting. So soon she was going toe to toe with owners. In 1997, she was named CEO. So, yes. And it's cute. I'll happen to know that we come from strong women. And like, that's why I'm like, I know why Al gave her this. Like, I feel very like when I was reading about her, I was like, yeah, because, you know, we, uh, these are very strong, brilliant women who were not given a chance because of their time and place and their gender, you know, um, and so, yeah, and sh- as smart, cool. strong women will make you money, too. <laughs> and they'll make you money. You'll get more yeah. rich. Y'all, don't yep. you want more money? Come on. Don't you want don't you want more rich? I like more rich, more rich, <laughs> more rich. <laughs> my my kid asked me the other day, he's like, do you do you wish we were rich? And I was like, unabashedly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I am not raising them properly, <laughs> and they looked at no. me like, "What? What? Really? Isn't you know? Isn't That's, isn't love all that matters, Mom? Aren't you gonna? You better tell like, that baby the truth. You better tell that baby the truth. Yes, the more the rich truth. is good. I was yep, like, because yep. it would give us more options and opportunities in life, and that and that's exactly. you know that's helpful. And then when we yeah. see something sad, we can donate money to help them. You know, That's it's right. not like you're not an asshole for wanting to be rich and what you do no. with your money definitely matters. But like, yeah, yeah. so I'm telling exactly. it like it is. But the shocked look of like, oh, did you just say that? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, yep. OK, so this is just a fun, quick story. So she was relatively new in the in the NFL, like power circle. Right. When the the big guns meeting right according to an old sports illustrated article she got into an argument with uh, a former 49ers president i won't say who it is um 
at a 1997 league meeting. She then refused to yield the floor, even after she was ordered to by a former NFL commissioner. She would not do it. So this is who this oh. woman is. She's like, I don't like play her. with me. Um, so later she found out sort of why. So Al Davis um, was someone who very much took chances on people. He was kind of known for that. The people who were deemed like, quote, problematic. Right. Okay. Um, okay. And she jokes that since she's been problematic since she was a little kid, this made a lot of sense. <laughs> Um, so it, uh, one of the coaches, Mike White coached Raiders from 1995 to 1996 says he had a tremendous amount of respect for her. She's a very intelligent lady because of those reasons. She was given a lot of responsibility. Um, a lot of her male counterparts did welcome her with open arms. Um, and she says that she's like many of them were welcoming and supported me. She's not trying to be a woman in football. She's just in football, mm-hmm. you know, and the, like, it's, it's like her issue. I'm not her issue. It's not her issue that she's a woman. Mm. It's other people's issues. Okay. Um, and uh, in fact, Al Davis said the same thing. Like he, you know, he's, he was given credit for giving a woman a chance and quote him, quote, nobody should get credit for doing the right thing. End quote. Yeah. I love that. Yep. Yeah. It's like ladies, like when your husband, like, I don't know, does the dishes or the laundry or like, you know, picks up the kid from school. It's not a favor. It's not a get. It's just sharing the load. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Preach, oh, you, you're preaching to the choir. This is why I'm single still because yeah. a lot of men don't want to do it. They want credit for it. They want to be like, oh, Mm-mm. baby. It's like, motherfucker, just. I, I thank you know. my husband for everything he does that he thanks me yeah. for. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you have to definitely say thank you, but yeah, you know, just sure. not. I'm not going to give you a, a gold statue for you no, know, doing the no, dishes. No, there is no award ceremony for folding no, laundry. Like, thank you, baby. Thank you for doing that. That was sweet. Mm-hmm. I love it. I appreciate thank it. You. Appreciate that. Yep. Appreciate, appreciate it. you. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate absolutely. you continuing to do that for the rest of our lives. And that goes, and that goes both ways. So <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does. It really does. Um, yep. So her nickname became Princess of Darkness. Now. Oh. Yeah, I like because this. She got shit done, you know, and she got shit done the way yep. she needed to get shit done. So what yep. was what was great is that she fucking turned that shit around because, you know, people were being dicks and, you know, mm-hmm. the patriarchy is going to mm-hmm. patriarchy. But she was like, no, that sounds good. I'm the princess of darkness. Yep. So be afraid and do what I say. So she just <laughs> owned it. Afraid. And she's like proud of it and i love that for her um i love it so it's 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 interesting because like fine that's i have finding stuff on her there's the culture of the raiders is very like it's it's mysterious it's mysterious it's aggressive right it's strong um and al davis stayed secretive um, about just how things were run and she retained those secrets and when he did pass she still she doesn't 
she that's why I'm saying Ted Lasso. Like she was like, I honor him forever. Um, and and she is a very similar beast. She is in the same way. And it had been written that she's she is Al Davis with ovaries. And she was like, no, I'm my own person. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are. Um, He's me with testes. Okay. There you go. That's what it is. (laughs) Much better phrased. I like it much better. Mm -hmm. Um, She's also, side note, been married to a man named Rob uh, for more than 35 years. They met in law school. Um, Oh, wow. He runs a hedge fund. Uh, She says uh, he's her best friend. Um, fun fact, their wedding was delayed because of a Raiders game that went into overtime. She's like, I'm not going until I know who won. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they, they don't have children, but they do have like two cats and a horse and how private she is. Uh, don't know the names of her cats or her horse because even she says, even animals deserve their privacy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she don't, they don't have time to have children. Oh, my Lord. No, they don't have time. Also, they they didn't want them, maybe. And good yeah, on them. I mean. Do your thing. Yeah, they they can be in the south of France or in Ibiza. Right? Is that how you say it? Ibiza. Ibiza. Listen, Ibiza. I don't know. I feel, I, feel like, I feel like I've seen enough 20-year-olds say Ibiza, you know, with <laughs> emphasis. So. Yes, or some private island. I mean, hedge fund manager and uh, know, right? head of the Raiders. They, they can go anywhere. Small the country. They like. go. <laughs> yeah, they probably have a country that yeah. they go to. Yeah. Um. So, her influence was radiated league wide. Um, and she because she really did things the way she wanted to do them. Uh, And people keep asking her about her gender. And a quote from her that I really loved is, uh, if I don't want you thinking about my gender, why am I thinking about it? So she is the first ever female CEO of an NFL team. Um, she resi- I just want to point that out. She really was the first. She resigned from the Raiders May 11th, 2013. Um, after she resigned, she was then referred to as the glue that held the organization together. Obviously, they're still doing fine. I, I don't watch football. I don't know how well they're doing. Like, that is not, I didn't go. I don't either. I'm sure they're they're yeah. still I still see the big trucks with all the stickers on it and some of the flags. I mean, so you know, I don't know if she made them successful and held them together for that long. I hope these ten years that she's been retired that she is uh, somewhere on a private island enjoying herself. Well, uh, I'll tell because... you, she's not. She is a football analyst for CBS. Um, oh. <laughs> There's a show, We Need to Talk, which is the first ever sports TV talk show featuring an all-female cast. Uh, She also wrote a book, You Negotiate Like a Girl, Reflections on a Career in the National Football League. And, girl, she has a podcast called, I know, like us, we're the same. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're the same. (laughs) uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's called, What the Football with Susie Schuster and Amy Trask. And that is Amy Trask. So she does not like to take a vacation, huh? That's why she's so she successful. She does not. Yeah. Oh, wow. Amy Trask. I've never, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a uh, football person either, but I like her. 
No, my cut my, jib, my brother. Say. I'll say it. My brother. Or gib. Is it jib? Gib. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't even know. Your brother. Um, he is very much a football person. Oh, gotcha. Like I was woken yeah. up many a Sunday morning thinking he was dying, running downstairs to save him because I knew I could. And it, there, there's the screen and him just like, Kah! I'm not going to do it because I'll blow out this microphone. It was very loud. It was very loud. Yeah. And it, you'd think I would yeah. learn the next week. No, I didn't. <laughs> Run downstairs. I'm going to save you. Oh. <sighs> You're just watching yeah. your team get clobbered. I I mean, thank you so much for sharing that because she sounds amazing. Um, she right? My kind of lady. Uh, I like the princess of darkness. <laughs> I do too. I was I like, yes, that. you are princess of darkness. Live for I you. I want somebody okay. to call me the princess of darkness. I, uh, <sighs> Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not, I mean, I can, but I, I just would consider don't think that, <laughs> I would consider I that a compliment, you. honestly, because yeah. you, sometimes you just got to uh, put fear in people's heart to get, for them to get their job done, especially when you're a woman. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, ain't nobody got time for you to talk. Just do what I ask. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work in my so, household. I know that. No. no, and you have to learn how to talk to people, but sometimes you just yeah. got to tell a motherfucker, just do what I ask. And I think just she figured what she did was figure out how to how to get it done, how to be respected. Yeah. How you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, she yeah. found yeah. that line, and and I yeah. think she did it naturally. I think that's who she is. So that's yeah. I, that's impressive, you know. Yeah amazing amy trask thank you so much for sharing that i mean we had two amazing women today amy yeah we did and miss coretta scott king that's right women who who were very powerful and but people are like oh you're just a lady just a lady right but you're more than just a lady um on that note that wraps up uh, the latest yep. episode of notorious women podcast guys remember to follow us on all the things and also again like we said at the top of the show copy the link and send it to your friend don't just tell them about it you can tell them about it but you can also tell them about it copy the link and send it to them okay that's right um, yes, you, please. you can also subscribe and like this video if you are viewing it on youtube go ahead and, and click that like button and subscribe to that as well um and miriam you can tell them where they can find oh also patreon if you oh, yeah. want to support us send us some cash uh, Amy, if you're listening, listen, we could, mm. we, mm-hmm. we might not be able to afford an island, but uh, if you want to hook know. some sisters up, mm. uh, you could, yeah, you go to patreon.com yeah. uh, slash notorious women and leave us a one time donation. Um, that, that would be great. Yeah, or like, I you feel can, like, right, like a yeah, hundred thousand, that's nothing for you, right? Yeah, yeah that's cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is like in the bottom of your purse, right? Of your hundred thousand dollar bag. Like so, like, miss change. So you can that. Yeah, and if you want to do that, you can go to patreon.com slash notorious women. Patreon is p a t r e o n dot com slash notorious women. And Miriam, where else can they support the show and follow us? Yeah, all oh, we're on Instagram, of course. Uh, notorious Women Podcast. Find us there. Funny things for you um we're also on tiktok also some funny things for you um like us tell your friends you can dm us on instagram um and you can also email us at notoriouswmpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com and that that is where you can find us 
Thank you so much, guys, again, for supporting the show, listening, downloading, and sharing. We really, really appreciate it. And we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.